recap of what we've been reading in Romans. We've been inching slowly, slowly through these last 12 verses. And I think this is an incredible way to study and to learn the book of Romans, especially the 8th chapter of Romans. But it is also easy to lose sight of the forest because we are examining so closely the leaves. So just a very brief recap, right? Verses 1 through 11, Paul has been talking about two distinct things, two mutually exclusive types of people. There are those who live according to the flesh, and there are those who live according to the spirit. And those who live according to the flesh do the things that people who live according to the flesh do. They walk according to the flesh. They, they think thoughts according to the flesh. They have desires according to the flesh. And what does Paul mean by the flesh? By flesh, he means their sinful nature. And so, he's saying that these people, which include you and I, which he says in the previous chapters of Romans, it's not just, it's not just the Gentiles, as he's talking to these Roman Jews, it's you too, Jews, right? Um, you, you guys think that you have it all together, and yet, if you walk according to the flesh, you are, you are, you are just like everyone else who walks according to the flesh. But, this beautiful caveat, verse 9, what does he say? But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So there are those who live according to their sinful desires, sinful nature, that they are drawn to and attracted by, and they are motivated by their sin. But there are those who live according to the spirit, which is the audience that he is talking to. In fact, the book of Romans is not meant for him. He's not like, he's not roasting them. He's not, he's not uh, scolding them. He's not rebuking them. I mean, there is some rebuke in there, but the, the, the main thrust of this letter, it's a love letter to these people. He hasn't met them yet, but it's a love letter to these people, encouraging them in their tr trying and troubled times. Hey, guys, you might be struggling with all these persecutions, with people not understanding you, maybe even within your church, you're, you're filled with confusion, and you don't think you have it all together, but look, you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit. And because you're in the spirit, you're not gonna walk according to those in the flesh, like, like people who walk according to the flesh, but you're gonna walk as one who walks according to the spirit. That is to say, you are no longer driven by your sinful desires, by your sinful passions, you are driven by the desire and joy of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that Jesus has promised you. And so, he, you know, he makes it very clear, you guys, the Church of Rome, whom I love dearly, I, I hope to see you one day. You are in the Spirit. And so, having said that, having established this, what it looks like, People walk according to the Spirit, what it looks like people walk according to the flesh. Verses 12 to 17, which is the passage we're in now, is what do we do with this information? What do we do knowing that there are those who walk according to the flesh and there are those who walk according to the Spirit? And in your ESVs, you might see a heading over this particular group of verses. It's called heirs with Christ. And so in this particular group of verses, not today's verse, but in the group of verses, that
That is the thrust that Paul is getting at. Because you are in the Spirit, you're not just a person. You are the sons and daughters of the Most High. You have been adopted by God. You are not just some spiritual person. You are someone that God pointed at and said, I want him. And I want her. And you have been adopted as his own. At one time, you were far off. At one time, you were a foreigner to God. At one time, as he says in Romans 5, you were at enmity with God. You were an enemy of God. And you wanted nothing to do with God, and God had a whole lot of wrath coming for you. And yet, because of the great love that he has for you, he has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take upon all of the sin that wasn't his, all you, but he did it willingly, he did it gladly. Why? So that you could be reconciled to the Father. So that the Father could say what he already said to Jesus. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He says that now to you. He says you are my beloved Son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. I know we're a lot of, not all of us are Asian, yeah. and uh, I'm, I can probably say that most of our parents, uh, if they have said this, it's been like twice. Maybe, you know, how many times have, has your parents said to you, to your face, you are my beloved child, and I love you, and I am proud of you, and how do you call your father? Right? I think a lot of us are missing that <laughs> in our lives, in our Asian contexts. But I have good news for you. A father who is greater than all your fathers. And you know, that's maybe for some of you, that's not a high bar to reach. But a father that is greater than all of your fathers. A, a father who is greater than all of your mothers. Right? Says to you, very plainly, very clearly, you are my son, you are my daughter. And I am proud of you. Same. That is the gift that we have through Christ. Anyways, I'm kind of going off track here. But that's, that's, the, that's the thrust, that's the trend that uh, these few verses are going to take us. But today, we're in verse 13. And verse 13 says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. So <laughs> you don't really see a lot of that family language here. You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so Paul, once again, is bringing out these two ideas. Once again, bringing out if you live according to the flesh or if you live according to the Spirit. And so there's two options here. There's one, you will die. Two, you will live. Those are the only two options. <coughs> Here's the bad. So we have, um, with this verse, I have three, three points. Two things that come naturally to us, and one thing that must come supernaturally to us. One thing that comes naturally, easily to us, and the second, and what comes, what must be given to us, supernaturally. All right, so the first thing is, naturally, we live according to the flesh. Naturally, we live according to the flesh. This, you can probably already tell, this is bad news. Because Paul clearly says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But, it's, it is, that living according to the flesh is so natural. Consider someone who is who we consider naturally good at something. Right? 
maybe like an athlete that you know, or a musician, maybe someone who works with like wood or makes things, an artist, and a scholar, right? Some of us, we look around and think, man, if I had that person's brains, I could totally have a point on, right? Um, even, but, but here's the thing, like even those who we may consider to be naturally good at something, they still need practice, right? Uh, I know, like anytime I meet up with like, um, like Lydia Ko, like so we were at, at the after party for Yesa's wedding, and she's like complaining about Yesa once a day, right? Because she's like, every class we took, right? I have to study for like hours, and I'm staring at him, he's just like doing whatever. And it's like, aren't you gonna study? He's like, oh, no, I'm good. And she gets like a B, and she gets an A, right? Every time I meet her, just like the only thing she talks about. It's really grinds her ears, right? But even yes, the, the vaunted Yazapan, even he in that school had to use Mamji. Even he had to use flashcards, right? <laughs> couldn't do it. He couldn't have to study, right? Even he had to study, right? Uh, even those we see who are naturally good, nat maybe gifted, we might call them, even they need practice, right? Uh, even Alan Iverson here. <laughs> There's one thing that nobody needs practice for. Nobody needs practice to sing. Nobody. Debbie's like three minutes old, doesn't need any practice. She's the most selfish person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> nobody taught her how to do this, right? Today she was smashing, smacking me in the face. That's nobody taught her how to do this. I mean, maybe I taught her how to do this, but I didn't teach her on purpose, okay? Sitting seems to come naturally to us, more natural to us than breathing sometimes, right? Sometimes, you know, you ever take health tell someone, like, hey, take a deep breath. Like, why do you have to remind people to breathe from, right? But sitting, you never, you don't have to remind people to sit. Like, hey, can I, can I talk about you? Right? The default mode of the human condition, I don't need, and I don't need to prove this to you, again, right? The, the default mode of the human condition is to live according to the flesh. That's what comes naturally to us. To live according to the flesh, according to our sinful desires and passions. <coughs> and perhaps the bad news, the, the bad news made worse, is that there's no reasoning that needs to take place. No one needs to convince you to sin. Maybe they need to convince you to do certain sins, right? Maybe they need to convince you to, uh, you know, you know, do so, do some things, but not you know just the general trajectory of living according to how you feel like living, and rejecting the will, the law, and the word of God. That's that's easy. That's natural, right? Um, I don't know if you follow like deconstructionist uh, Christian TikTok, but sometimes I like to log on there just to see what they're saying. You know, the extangelists, you know. Uh, and there's a really famous ex-evangelical, that's what we call them. Uh, and if I'm encouraging you to check, out, check them out on their Facebook subject, then it's not my fault, okay? <laughs> right? But uh, there is one very famous ex-evangelical, you might know his last name. His last name is Piper. His name is Abraham Piper. He is the second son of John Piper. And he has, uh, John Piper has a million, like a million-ish followers up there. Abraham's already up to like 900K on TikTok. And uh, yeah, he's full on left the faith. Um, 
<coughs> and I find that like both very discouraging and encouraging at the same time, right? Because his dad was his, his dad's literally John Mark, right? He's literally, like literally all those like Christian like apologetics arguments, right? He's heard them all, right? He's heard he's memorized he's memorized so many Bible verses, he's been on the mission trips, he's been on like, retreats, right? And yet he's walked away from Jesus, right? And around the first time he walked away, um, he said, you know, he, he was quoted a little after that, but because that never mind, I'm not gonna tell you his whole story, but he has this quote when he left the faith. He said, at first I pretended that my reasoning was high-minded and philosophical. But really, I just wanted to drink gallons of cheap sangria and sleep around. Right? There's no, there's no reasoning to that. And in fact, I feel like a lot of us can probably relate to that. Right? It would be so easy for us to just, you know, just live however we want to live. And that's, that's natural, that comes naturally to us. Don't need to convince you of this. <coughs> and, and, you know, atheism is really not that hard to accept. But there's a reason why that's true. It's because sin has entered in. Sin and the rebellion against God has entered in and it has a chokehold upon our soul. Even when, the, even when the reality of God and the reality of his word all around us and in the scriptures and confronting us face to face, even we as Christians sometimes can practice a sort of practical atheism, right? That we confess with our lips that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And then we just live our lives as if Christ doesn't exist. It's so easy for us to do that, especially in this world. Come down, you know, we say, ah, you know, hour driving down, hour driving up, that's enough, right? And then we just go on and, you know, yeah, I, I installed the ESP app on my phone, right? That's enough, right? And we never open it, right? iOS is telling you, like, hey, maybe this can be, we can just, like, delete this and put it in the cloud, right? Because you never use it. Um, Naturally, we live according to the flesh. Therefore, point number two, naturally, we cannot put to death the deeds of the body. <coughs> Paul says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so we say, all right, as Christians, right? Yeah, maybe you know we mess up from time to time. We sin from time to time. We're still struggling with stuff. But maybe we can... Uh, put to death these sins, and then we will live. We will experience the life and joy and happiness of the Christian experience, right? But here's the thing. Sin has such a hold on us that we cannot escape its grasp. Consider uh, just simply the law of God, the Ten Commandments, how in the past week, day, the past hour, how many times have we broken just the Ten Commandments? That's, that's, that's just like just a few verses out of four. Right? How many of these standards, norms, expectations have we tried to live by, and yet we continually fall short? We continually break them. 
in marriage. And marriage is one of the greatest things I've ever done. But there are, you've got to work things out. And one of the things we're working out right now is clothes on the floor, right? Uh, you know, my wife, she's hella pregnant, works at a very stressful pharmacy, very high intense pharmacy, um, a lot of people dying, hospice care, things like that, right? Comes home, you know, first thing you want to do is just bam, take the pants off and just roll into bed, right? It's the first thing you want to do. And then I walk in, I'm like, why are those socks on? I imagine uh, you guys are like, why are those shoes on? Why are these socks on? She's like, no, oh, I'm tired. I'm like, hey, put them in the water. That's me. Very next. What's a meeting? A joke. <laughs> I have this expectation of my wife, right? Put the clothes in the hand, right? And I they lord it over her. And yet, my own, my own law, my own rules. <laughs> I can't even keep them. And such are all of us, right? You can't judge me because it's all of us. All of us. Whether it's God's law, or society's laws, or even our own laws, our own expectations, our own standards, we cannot keep them. We cannot abide them. And so, there are two options here, as Tim Keller likes to say, right? Either we have expectations so high that no one, not even us, can meet them, and so we fall into despair. Or, because we can't meet them, we're going to lower them. Continue to lower them. Lower them, lower them. Until they become expectations that we can hurl over. But then that just means you, you're just a sad individual, right? Who have little who have tenets, right? So those are our only two options either impossibly high standards or very sad low standards. That is the hypocrisy that we all live by because we have a, a sin as a chokehold upon us and we cannot seem to put to death the deeds of the body, which Paul means to say are sinful flesh, are sinful desires. And they keep popping up. And they keep hanging around. And we say, no, I'm not going to look at I'm not going to look at those websites anymore. No, I'm not going to talk smack about these people anymore. No, I'm not going to harbor anger at my father anymore. No, I'm not going to um, fill in the blank. In preparation for the sermon, I was watching MMA highlights. Sometimes you go see highlights. I was looking up specifically uh, Khabib. I don't know if you know Khabib. He's a guy. He had a 28 and 0 record, no losses, 28 wins. But his father passed away, so he retired because he said, "I wasn't going to fight without my father." And I was looking up his highlights because I was thinking about uh, Sin having a chokehold on us and. Uh, he's the best at chokeholds. Like he, he's, a, he's a wrestler from Russia, and he's like he's amazing at chokeholds. So originally, my example here was going to be with Conor McGregor. We all know Conor McGregor. He's a boxer. He's really bra braggadocious, and he got him in a chokehold. Over, right? I'm like, yes, that's us, right? We're Conor McGregor. He's got all of us. But then I watched the next clip, and it was him versus Justin Poirier, and that was a much more interesting fight to me. Because at first, 
Justin, I'm going to call him Justin, like he's my friend. <laughs> Justin actually had him in the trunk. And I was like, oh, it's looking pretty good. But then you see Justin getting tired. You see his arms getting a little weak. And you see Khabib, like a slippery little fish, <laughs> slip out, turn around, and trip. And he wins again. How often has been that has that been the case with us in our battle against sin? How we think, yes, finally, I have overcome, I've got, I've got the upper hand on, on this lust of mine. I've got this upper hand on this pride. I've got the upper hand on my anger. I've got upper hand on my selfishness, on my gossip, on but little by little we start to tire ourselves out. Trying to live according to the standard of I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I did. And like a slippery fish, like a wrestler from Russia, God has us in a chokehold once again. And you know what? This is cause for despair. This is cause for despair, especially if we have genuinely put our faith in Christ. That's sad news. That sucks. If we genuinely long to please our Lord Jesus, if we genuinely want, to, if we want to say, God, I want to live for you. I want to be holy and set apart for you. And yet, God, these sins keep popping up in my life. That is a despairing prayer to pray. <coughs> that is a hopeless prayer. And so what is our hope then? Because there's got to be, right? No spoiler, there is, right? What hope is there if we cannot escape the grasp of our own sin? What hope do we have? What hope could we possibly have to not only live according to our standards, but to live according to the standards of God and to please God and to live up to the thing that God has said to us, you are my child in whom I am well pleased. How can we then please him? It's not going to come naturally. Because naturally, we live according to the flesh. And naturally, we cannot put to death the deeds of the body. And so what needs to happen is a super natural thing. What, that was a, what needs to happen is a supernatural entry of the Spirit of God in our lives. Because though naturally, naturally we go after sin and we pursue sin, even though we don't want to, supernaturally we can kill sin. We can kill sin. Our hope for victory over sin is not going to be a program. It's not going to be uh, steps one, two, and three. Our, our, our hope for killing sin is not happy thoughts, positive vibes. Our hope for victory over sin is in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You are not in the flesh. What hope do we have? It's not <clears throat> our hope is in our identity. It's not in what we do. It's in who we are, through what Christ has done. If we try to kill sin with our own effort, our own mor morality, then we have no hope. Because we're going to see ourselves fail time and time again. But if we try to flee death, Oh, oh. Uh, if we try to flee death by our own power, we will fall back into it. But 
Here is our great and living eternal hope. 1 Peter 1.3, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me read that again. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here is the good news for us. We do not kill sin in order to be alive. We do not put to death the deeds of the body in order to have life. Put another way, we don't try to live upright, moral, righteous lives so that we can be accepted by God, so that we can be a Christian. No. We can kill sin because we have been made alive in Christ. We can put to death the deeds of the body, not in order to be a Christian, but because we already are. There is no magic formula for the Holy Spirit to come into you. I guess there is. This, the formula is this. If you believe in your heart, confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. That's it. There's no steps one, two, three. There's no reaching nirvana. There's no reaching enlightenment. There's no evangelize to all these people, hand out the tracts, pray the prayers, and then you'll be saved. No, you are saved. Now go and be we are alive in Christ. You are alive. You are alive. Not by your own power, but by the power and good pleasure of God. And so when we read this verse, if, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Notice how we will put to death the deeds of the body. It's by the Spirit. Paul doesn't say, you close your eyes real hard and you hunker down, and then put to death the deeds of the body you live. He doesn't say that. He says, if by the Spirit. If you say to God, God, I cannot do this. But you can, and you did. And so I cling to you. Holy Spirit, help me kill the sin in my life. We are alive in Christ, therefore we can wage sin, war with our sin. We can wage war with our sin. The sign that you are a Christian is not that you don't have sinful desires. The sign that you are a Christian is not that I don't think about I don't think about big booty anymore. I don't think about uh, being, you know, I don't think about getting drunk anymore. I don't think about being angry anymore. These things are, you're gonna think about them. The temptations will come. That doesn't mean you're not a Christian. But if you are a Christian, it means that you are at war with your sinful desires. As long as we are here on earth, and before Jesus Christ comes back, Christians, you must be at war with your sin. Are you at war? By asking the question, are you at war? What I'm also asking is, are you alive? Are you alive in Christ? So how will we fight this war? <coughs> Just for the sake of time. Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God.
hold on to this word. And hold on to the truth that God speaks over you. Then you are his child. And if you are his child, then you are in the spirit. And if you're in the spirit, then you are alive. And if you are alive, you can wage war against the sin in your life. And God always wins the war that he wages. And so the spirit fights for us, but we also fight with him, armed with the truth of the gospel, which speaks truth about him about us. And so, to conclude, as the, the boys and girls come up to lead us in song, even though sin and rebellion against God comes most naturally to us, by the grace of God, through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, and the indwelling of His Holy Spirit in us, we can wage war against the sin of the flesh and live according to the peace and joy of the Spirit. Sin is natural to us, but true life and joy and peace is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, which is applied to us and given freely to those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you did not leave us alone to fight these battles. This is not, not, not bad. This is not how we fight these battles, Lord. It is by your Holy Spirit. It is by the Holy Spirit that condemns the sin in our lives, but doesn't simply condemn it, but it kills it for us. And Father God, though we seem to struggle with these sins that keep popping up in our lives, maybe trust in you and trust in the Holy Spirit that says you are my child. You belong to me. And so you don't belong to these sins any longer. May we trust in that so that when we may be freed as we already have been through the blood of Christ, freed from the shackles of sin, that we may, that of what drives us, what drives us, what motivates us, pushes us. The thrust of our lives would not be the sin of the flesh, but it would be the joy, the peace of the Holy Spirit. Father God, if, if any of us are struggling with a sin at this moment, Holy Spirit, would you come and kill it in us in Jesus' name? Lord, if there is 